This is episode 26 of the Angry Tech News Podcast for Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. This is the Angry Tech News Podcast at angrytechnews.com. Now your host, the angry programmer with a mic, Brian Bemrose. I made an informal promise to myself not to cover any Russia or Ukraine news this week for a few reasons. First, I'd prefer to keep this show more focused on tech news and less on political news, despite clearly having strong opinions about both. Second, it's really hard to get good information on the situation. It's so polarized. You should know by now that there's no such thing as a neutral source for news. There's always more than one side and every story is told from someone's perspective. And yes, even mine. All you can do to find the truth is to listen to multiple sides and try to form your own opinion about what happened. But this Russia thing is something else. I have never seen so many propaganda machines spun and pointed at this one thing so quickly. Reported facts are changing on a day-to-day and even hour-to-hour basis. It would be impossible for a weekly podcast to report what's going on with any kind of confidence. Unlike mainstream journalists, we podcasters don't have the luxury of being able to pretend that our old episodes, the ones that time has proven laughably hysterically wrong, don't exist, because they're still in an RSS feed. And if you prune your RSS feeds, they'd better be available somewhere, podcasters. So, I want to do, to at least do the best job that I can, making sure that when I report something, it is as true as I know how to make it. And that means not reporting on things when I can't be sure that I have all of the facts. And the final reason I don't like to report Russia-Ukraine stories is that it's the topic that almost everybody else is talking about. If you want to hear all about the conflict, I could point you to a dozen other podcast hosts on the No Agenda Network who can all speak with much higher confidence that the facts that they've been given are what's actually been going on. Me? I genuinely don't know whether Zelensky or Putin is a worse scum stain of a human being. They are both clearly willing to commit immoral acts in the name of the people. I don't know which side to come down on in the political situation, and I don't want to take sides. I know that I don't have all the information. Both governments are shitty. Both leaders are shitty. They're playing some kind of power jockeying game and crapping on the public to do it. As far as I can tell, that's a prerequisite for holding government office. But here's the problem I'm having. About 80% of the tech stories I found this week are about Russia and Ukraine. The Silicon Valley PR firms don't have any better information than I do, and yet they're diving in with the full force of their companies to take a side, choosing in the interest of signaling how virtuous they are to screw over people half a planet away whose only crime was to lose a rigged election against the wrong despot. And of course, the woke activist lemmings who run these Silicon Valley companies have all taken the same side in lockstep. It's like they're not even pretending at original thought anymore. They just open up the antenna on the top of their heads and wait for the satellite to beam down their orders for the day. Hate Russia, spite the Russians, profit is unimportant, your own business is unimportant, collateral damage is unimportant, all that matters is to hurt people in Russia. Here's a quick list of tech headlines from this week of the douchey things that Western companies are doing in the name of groupthink activism. PayPal has stopped all service in Russia. Visa, MasterCard, and American Express have stopped processing any payments in Russia. 
Microsoft has stopped sales of products in Russia. Oracle has suspended all services in Russia. Facebook refuses to allow any ads from Russian organizations, although Facebook is now being blocked entirely by Russia as fake news, so maybe they've got a point. Apple has stopped all device and hardware sales in Russia. Spotify closed its Moscow office. Netflix is pulling out of Russia entirely. This one's a follow-up from last week where I openly speculated, what do you think they'd do after Netflix broke the law? I guess the answer is take your ball and go home. Airbnb has suspended all operations in Russia. Boeing has suspended parts, maintenance, and support for Russian airlines. No big deal unless you care about all those passenger jets falling out of the sky, am I right? BP, Shell, and ExxonMobil have all said they would stop investments in Russia. Because fracking under someone else's town, that'll show those Ruskies. Cogent Communications, an internet backbone provider, has disconnected their feeds into Russia. NVIDIA has stopped all sales and shipments inside Russia. Samsung has stopped all shipments to Russia. TikTok has banned the creation of any new videos from Russian users. This is in response to a new Russian, quote, fake news law that passed last week, which probably needs some explanation. The law provides for up to 15 years of prison in, for spreading false information about the military or publicly calling for sanctions against Russia anytime Russia is performing military operations, which, hint, hint, happens to be right now. To be clear, I hate this law. It's the same kind of huge infringement on freedom of speech that turned Facebook, Twitter, and Google into a thought-controlled echo chamber, but it's worse because it's government censors deciding which books to burn instead of some left-wing think tank. Regardless, TikTok has decided to ban all videos because some of them might be fake news. Anyway, Reddit has blocked all links to any domain ending in .ru, as well as Russia-linked domains, which really means RT.com and SputnikNews.com. The reason given by them was to reduce the risk of misinformation appearing on the website, though I'm pretty sure that the real way to read that is to reduce the risk of information appearing on the website. This step is critical to making sure that Reddit never becomes a useful as a link aggregator and instead remains a hive-minded cesspool of groupthink and censorship. Coinbase has blocked access to 25,000 wallets, quote, related to Russian individuals. In their statement, which reads as if they're actually proud of the heavy-handed theft of money from their own customers, they bragged, we shared them with the government to further support sanctions enforcement. Well, I guess Coinbase was fun while it lasted. No way in hell I'm ever going to trust them with my money again. To be fair, this is pretty much exactly what the Bitcoin zealotry have been warning about for years with regards to custodial money. If you don't personally hold that 24-word passphrase to your wallet, it's not really your money, is it? The fact that banks of all types are suddenly blocking people's access to their own money, hi Canada, kind of makes me think that maybe it's just safer under your mattress or in your own personal Bitcoin note on a Raspberry Pi in your basement, which I guess is the digital equivalent. To be clear, None of these sanctions particularly matters to the Russian government. Vladimir Putin isn't that personally bothered when his Windows license expires. He probably doesn't have a TikTok account. And you can be damn sure that Putin's private Boeing jets are getting their scheduled parts and maintenance, even if the poor commuters have to do without. No, what all of these lockstep moves do is confirm the Russian government propaganda that tells its people that the West is filled with a bunch of amoral a-holes who want to destroy their way of life. You want divisiveness? 
this is how you get it. I had one other thought on all of these Silicon Valley companies suddenly cutting off millions of people from their software. The business model of most tech companies today is built on intellectual property, which is a government-granted and government-enforced monopoly on the use of an idea or an expression of an idea. Now, these megacorporations think that they're bigger than governments. But what happens when a government stops enforcing that monopoly or outright revokes it? While researching this episode, I came across an article which suggested that the Russian Copyright Office was investigating the possibility of abolishing all criminal and administrative liability for the use of unlicensed software. I wasn't able to confirm the story, but whether they are or not, it seems like a pretty good solution to somebody whose business model is intellectual property suddenly trying to get up in your government. How much power does Microsoft or Oracle have if a government revokes the copyright on their software? Ahoy, me matey! Shiver me timbers! Even without outright promoting piracy, blocking commercial software from an entire nation would be a tremendous boon for open-source alternatives. Shutting down centralized services will only push people to on-prem or decentralized alternatives. Cutting Russia off from the main internet provides tremendous incentive to develop alternate networks. One of the few points that I think both leftists and conservatives agree on is that the current internet is far too influenced by corporate greed, even if they can't agree which corporations are having the greed. I am old enough to remember the Wild West of the internet in the 1990s when everything was decentralized. Half the web servers out there were in somebody's basement, and you could knock them off the internet if you posted their URL to a very popular site. And there were no off switches, switchable by leaning on the right corporation. Maybe we need a return to that. Treat censorship like the damage it is and route around. Honestly, I'm just a little bit jealous. So yeah, the show started out a little political. It's an occupational hazard. The show format that I choose is to react to the news of the week. And when that news involves hundreds of arguably independent tech companies suddenly working in concert for political ends as if their CEO's mental programming all got activated by a tune on the radio, that in itself becomes news. So again, I apologize for bringing so much politics into a tech news show, but they started it. From the Data with Legs department, the hacking group Lapsus has been busy. NVIDIA confirmed last week that its network was breached, leaking credentials, personal data, and NTLM password hashes for more than 70,000 employees, some of which have already been decrypted on the dark web. Lapsus took credit for the hack, along with publishing a 20-gigabyte archive containing NVIDIA proprietary data. Of more significant threat, the group also leaked some of NVIDIA's private code signing certificates. Those certificates are used by NVIDIA's drivers to allow them to be loaded into the Windows kernel without a prompt. Security researchers have already found malware in the wild, signed with NVIDIA's certificates. Lapsus demanded that the company lift the light hash rate limitation in the GeForce RTX 30 series firmware, enabling full-speed crypto hashing. They also demanded that the company open-source their GPU drivers for Windows, Mac, and Linux. If these demands were not met, Lapsus promised to leak up to a full terabyte of proprietary NVIDIA data. Personally, I'm not holding my breath that the company will do a complete policy 180 on the say of a few hackers, so expect that archive soon. Also this week, Samsung has confirmed that its network was breached and that hackers made off with almost 200 gigabytes of confidential information, 
including source code for the current line of Galaxy phones. The company said that the leak did not contain any personal information about customers or employees. Again, hacker group Lapsus took credit for the hack and leaked a part of the data to confirm. The group has not issued any demands of Samsung, but according to tweets, they are currently looking for a buyer for the data. From the They Forgot Malinformation Department, the chat service Discord is changing its terms of service. The service, which started out as a voice and text chat platform for gaming guilds, has grown in popularity over the years to the point where now I guess they think they're Facebook. Now it is uncommon to find a gaming community, open source project, or podcast that doesn't have a Join Our Discord link featured prominently on their site. Many of them go so far as to make Discord the only form of communication for their community or project, which is particularly frustrating to yours truly when a nominally open project requires you to join their private community just to read a bug list or release notes. There's no such thing on Discord as anonymous read-only access. And yeah, you can sign up with a pseudonym, but their single instance client all but enforces having one single identity for every server. Basically the opposite of privacy. Where was I? The TOS is being changed to prohibit misinformation and disinformation. Specifically, they're targeting medical misinformation, according to their blog post, although the TOS isn't quite that specific. They say that any medical advice that, quote, could harm people is actionable. We consider health information false or misleading if it directly and unequivocally contradicts the most recent consensus reached by the medical community. How that consensus is reached is usually involves uh, a cudgel of some kind. A non-exhaustive list of the potential harms called out in their blog post, though, heightening risk of exposure to a transmissible disease, causing undue strain on public health systems, inciting panic or social unrest with conspiratorial health claims, Basically, all of the things that uh, that the people on the left label anti-vaxxers and then accuse anybody who doesn't go out and get stabbed three times immediately. I Okay, enough. Anyway, they are also banning sensationalized alarmist or hyperbolic language ding, and anything that repeats widely debunked health claims, unsubstantiated rumors or conspiratorial narratives. Of course, the slippery slope is that they get to decide how to define misinformation. Half the time, that means that Snopes or PolitiFact or some other Orwellian Ministry of Tooth censorship agency with a political axe to grind is deciding, and the other half, it's a completely undefined, I know it when I see it rule that's left intentionally vague in the terms of service so that it can be brought out and used in a variety of situations against anyone that the administration doesn't like. Oh yeah. And Discord explicitly calls out that they will ban you for anything that happens on or off the platform. Post the wrong comment on YouTube, banned from Discord. Get caught on camera at a rally at the wrong for the wrong political candidate, banned from Discord. Talk about Russia in your tech news podcast, banned. They can even boot you from your gaming slash open source slash podcast community if they find out that you've got, quote, membership in a violent organization, another term left intentionally vague that will almost certainly include Canadian truckers, but never groups who burn down cities to further racism. And so starting March 28th, you may see Discord start banning users and servers for posting verifiably true but politically inconvenient information like 
COVID came from a Fauci-funded Chinese lab, or Pfizer vaccines cause myocarditis. Or maybe you won't. At least not at first. I mean, sure, asking questions about heart disease will suddenly be against the rules on Discord, but they won't ban everyone for that. No, not to start. I mean, that'd be a lot of work. Besides, the Discord blog post explicitly says that they'll only use this power against the really bad actors who could cause real harm. Obviously, no word on what exactly that means, but perversely, as with all tyrants, knowing that they could ban you at any time just makes you appreciate the heavy-handed benevolence even more when they don't. Angry thank you to Brian Janak, Brennan Kidwell, and Raymond Zorger for producing this episode of Angry Tech News. Angry Tech News is produced on the Value for Value model. We don't take sponsors, we don't play ads, and we do not charge you to listen, but we are funded by your donations. If you got some value out of listening to this show, please send some value back. Go to angrytechnews.com and click on the donate button. Send what you think this show was worth to you. Was it 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, or only five? That's all for me. I'm Ryan Bemrose, the Angry Programmer. I'll come in next week with more Angry Tech News. This has been Angry Tech News with the Angry Programmer, Ryan Bemrose at angrytechnews.com Stay angry Stay angry Stay angry